Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Lawmakers in Springfield are under pressure to wrap things up for their spring legislative session. And the major item on their overtime to-do list? Well, that's getting that budget passed. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The Illinois House and Senate have been busy debating and voting on a number of different bills during the spring session, from one on drug overdose prevention to another paving the way for a third airport in the greater Chicago area. The session was supposed to end Friday, but that's been pushed back at least a week. WBEZ state government reporter Alex Degman has the details. So give us the scoop, Alex. Lawmakers have been trying to get things wrapped up so that they can put a bow on this spring session. So what's the holdup? Well, they have to set a budget every year, but they set their own deadlines to do that for the most part. So May 19th this year was a suggestion, just like uh, the middle of April last year was a suggestion. They really have until the end of the month. And then after that, they have until June 30th, but they just need a few more votes to get anything done in June. So they're really trying to wrap up by the 31st. Mm -hmm. So tell us the sticking points that are preventing lawmakers from coming to an agreement on the budget. Well, the big one right now is a program to expand health care to undocumented immigrants. This one started a couple of years ago as a program for seniors that was expanded to cover people uh, 42 and older. Now, uh, the program applies only to undocumented residents. It doesn't include asylum seekers. They need to live here. And then if you're a legal resident, you can also have lived here for uh, within the last few years. Mm -hmm. So the program as it is now, depending on what estimates you look at, uh, it's expected to cost almost a billion dollars, give or take, about a billion dollars more next year than it did this year. And on top of that, advocates want to expand the program even more to cover folks 19 and older. So for those of us who aren't familiar with the program, Alex, just catch us up. How how did we get here? So basically, the program enrolled way more people than anybody thought. Uh, It was way overestimates. Canvassing for underserved populations like this, it can be pretty tough. It's it's a lot of it's based on census data. Some folks were probably missed. Uh, But not only that, program advocates don't necessarily agree with the estimates that they're seeing from the governor's office and from uh, places like the Department of Human Services that are showing these high cost estimates. And they've been going back and forth on this for weeks. Uh, The primary arguments they're making that, you know, obviously taking care of people now before their health problems get out of control saves public money in the long run. And not to mention that costs for older people are going to stabilize because their chronic problems are being managed finally. Mm -hmm. But like from an eagle eye overarching view. This is a situation of a pro of a program that's really popular that's just going to blow a huge hole in the budget. And not only are they trying to figure out how to pay for this, but they're also trying to figure out who's going to take the blame if they have to cut things. And it might not be this, but it might be something else to help pay for this. So um, mm. the, the, the money's going to have to come from somewhere. Where does Governor Pritzker stand? Um, the Governor Pritzker is kind of taking a uh, hands-off approach right now. I think we're trying to see 
we're, we're trying to see where the buck is eventually going to fall because this is a program that lawmakers wanted. The governor thinks that it's up to the legislature to fund it. And that's kind of where we are right now. So what do lawmakers need to do in the immediate future then to, to get everyone seeing eye to eye on the budget? Well, I guess they just need to keep doing what they've been doing. They've been negotiating about this. A lot of it is behind closed doors. So we don't really we're not really privy to what is going on in these meetings and more transparency would be nice behind that. But the idea is that they're going to come to an agreement among leadership and among all the major stakeholders and the negotiating teams that they can present uh, something complete and then just be able to pass it. And I know Illinois has got a rocky history with with passing a balanced budget. So is the revenue there to do all the things that lawmakers and interest groups want to get done? No, uh, there there really okay. isn't. And yeah. that's why this is such an issue. Like even though Illinois has taken steps to put money away, to put money into savings like the rainy day fund, like there are reserves now, but you know, the state still tends to spend what it gets. A decade ago, we had budgets that were about $37, $38 billion, and this year we're poised to spend over $50. Um, that could be due to that's – that's due to a number of things, inflation, higher pension costs, uh, more programs. Uh, it, it all contributes to that. So do you expect a budget to be passed this week? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean – I've been I've been trying to make predictions since I got back to Springfield about a year ago. And okay. but this is all based on like what I remember from like the early 2010s and how it worked then. So my sense is they are going to get something done this week. But I've been wrong on basically everything. Like every time I've tried <laughs> okay. to make a prediction so far this year, it's yeah, it's but I do think they're going to get something done because they don't necessarily want to be here over Memorial Day. Yeah. And as you, you've mentioned, per state law, they have until June 30th to pass the budget. Remind us what happens if they don't? Well, we saw this. Uh, there was a little over two years, uh, not too long ago, where the state was in a almost an 800-day budget impasse. And when that happened, uh, agencies, they had to borrow. And when the credit rating for the state was downgraded, eventually they went to a third-party vendor system. Who, I, I, I'm trying to remember exactly how that worked, but essentially the agency, like, the vendor would pay the bills for the agencies, but then the state would get saddled with the interest. And then that just went on when there was no when there was no budget, there was no appropriation. There were some things that you had you had to continue funding by consent decree, by continuing appropriations like uh, things to help fund uh, disabled communities and things like that. They still had to be paid for, but it was just a lot more expensive to pay for because there was no authorization. So. As you said, they haven't passed a budget yet, but I do want to talk a bit about what they did pass, Alex, starting with a law that's around allowing businesses to have gender neutral bathrooms. Now, this caused some heated debate on the Senate floor. Let's listen to a bit of that. This is woke. This is radical and is out of touch with virtually everybody in both my district and your district. I have been asked about this legislation by hundreds of constituents who have written and who have called and ask that we support this piece of legislation so that Illinois will step into the 21st century. I'm telling you right now, if a guy walks in there, I'm going to beat the living piss out of him. Yes! Yes! Yeah! So this is going to cause violence, and it's going to cause violence from dads like me. Wow. Okay. Uh, State Senators Andrew Chesney Mike Simmons and Neil Anderson there. So, okay, Alex, we just heard Republican State Senator Neil Anderson actually threaten physical violence mm-hmm. over this bill. The, the second voice we heard was uh, Democratic State Senator Mike Simmons. 
Um, he said that Anderson's comments were so offensive that they should be stricken from the record. This obviously got folks worked up. So just tell us more about the legislation here. What, what, what is it actually going to do? Yeah, and the uh, the threat of violence. Um, I don't ever recall hearing something like that on the floor of the Senate. That was kind of uh, kind of wild that happened. Yeah, it, it, wild is a really good way to put it. Um, so basically, what this does, and the, it's it's a pretty simple bill. Right now, there are no parameters in state law for businesses to follow if they want to have multi-use gender-neutral bathrooms. It just doesn't exist. So what this does is it gives them those parameters if they want to install multi-use, gender-neutral bathrooms. That's it. It doesn't require these businesses to put them in. It doesn't require them to take out um, single-gender bathrooms like uh, men's rooms or women's rooms, and they don't have to do anything different if they don't want to. This just says if you want them, this is what you have to follow in order to get there. You know, things like um, how many fixtures there have to be, there have to be uh, floor-to-ceiling stall doors and Mm -hmm. things like that and walls and things like that. So it's not any kind of a mandate, nobody has any sense that this will become one. It's just, if you want this, this is what you have to do. And businesses weren't already able to do this? Well, right now there are businesses that have gender-neutral restrooms, but if you notice, they're single-use. Yeah, And there was a law passed a little while ago that said any single-use bathroom has to be gender-neutral. But um, right now, if you want to have multi-use, if they exist, there aren't rules that are um, giving them parameters to do that. Let's jump to another one here. This bill that passed, it makes it easier for victims of gun violence to sue gun manufacturers and advertisers in court. What should we know about this one? So this one would just basically bring gun manufacturers, organizations, or even individuals in line with the state's consumer protection laws. And it allows people, just regular people, to sue companies for making deceptive claims. Now, here, lawmakers want to ban uh, the gun uh, the gun groups the gun companies from advertising weapons to minors or illegally formed militias and they're saying that weapons cannot be sold if you are like part of the gun industry you can't sell to straw purchasers and if someone thinks that a gun shop an organization or like i said an individual person has done those things uh, that person could bring them to court yeah wow well in addition to what has already passed There's still a lot to get to. There's uh, one issue that has to do with cannabis. Uh, A somewhat expansive bill was introduced last week, Alex, uh, that would implement reforms on the state's cannabis industry. What's happening? So this is something that lawmakers have been lawmakers in the industry have been working on for months. There there were a few working groups that the Illinois House formed this year, and cannabis was one of them. And they dropped a so-called cannabis omnibus bill on Friday. And omnibus just basically means they're taking a whole bunch of things and putting them all together. Uh, it addresses a lot of things that folks in the industry have been talking about for a long time. For example, craft growers have been talking about how they can't get anybody to invest in them because they don't have enough grow space. Mm -hmm. So this would let them go from 5,000 square feet currently to a full 14,000 square feet. It would let uh, existing or future dispensaries have drive-through operations or curbside operations. It would give more time for license holders to find physical locations. Uh, it's, pro- it's a problem because there are a lot of dispensaries that are starting to get licenses and uh, distances between each other and still staying the requisite 
distance away from schools and whatnot is starting to get a little difficult. So they're given a little bit more time for that. Mm -hmm. Um, They're loosening the rules around medical packaging. Some folks are finding it hard to open. And there's a moratorium on new transporter licenses. And there's just a a few more things in this omnibus. But it's, um, Mm. it's it's getting held up a little bit. I want to turn to one more legislative item while I have you, Alex. This one has to do with Chicago school board maps. Now, state lawmakers are drawing the districts for the November 2024 election when Chicago voters are expected to elect 10 of 21 school board members. But the maps that lawmakers are presenting, they've gotten Chicagoans fired up. Explain. Yeah, there's significant pushback over how a lot of Chicagoans feel like they're represented in these maps. So there have been a couple of drafts that have been out so far. The initial map drew seven majority white, seven majority black, and six majority Latino districts. But CPS's student population is only about 11% white, and a lot of parents and advocates are asking them to the, the districts to better reflect the community. Uh, second draft uh, did that a little bit. It gained a majority Latino district while losing a white one, but there still aren't any Asian plurality districts and some advocates still aren't satisfied. Mm-hmm. And then they're also complaining that this process seems to be very rushed. Uh, the legislature has until July 1st to do this, but we didn't really start talking about this until uh, earlier this month in early May, at least to the legislature. Some hearings are being announced with not a whole lot of notice, and it was pretty remarkable in one last week at 8.30 in the morning. You had folks on Zoom with the legislature. You know, they've got kids in their laps. They've got kids running around in wow. the background like they're like they're they're into this, like they're very they're very committed to this and they're trying to do whatever they can. But they just they're asking for a little bit more time. Let's slow our roll a little bit and just give us more information. How are you using available data to make sure that everybody's being fairly represented? Yeah. Well, before I let you go, besides the budget, what else is on the agenda for lawmakers this week? Anything else that we should know now? Well, my best advice is to expect the unexpected, because (laughs) if if there's anything that I can tell you for certain since I've been here, there have been just major things that have been kind of dropped on us at the last minute. Also, you said you're not the guy to do predictions, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess guess I'm okay at it, but they're going to be wrong. So my best, like I said, just expect the unexpected. We're probably going to have a couple of little May surprises before we're all said and done. That's WBEZ government reporter Alex Degman. Thanks so much. Thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Maha Ahmed, and it was edited by Dan Tucker and Ethan Schwab. Go behind the headlines every week by subscribing to the Reset podcast. And if you have a fellow news junkie in your life, have you shared this podcast with them? Word of mouth is still the best way for new listeners to find our show. That'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.